I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Renovation shows and designer Instagram feeds are all the rage. Years ago, when most people bought a home, they gave it a good clean, painted some walls, and moved their things in and called it a day. Nowadays, prospective homeowners search for something they can fix up and make their own. As a designer, I think it's great. It gives us the opportunity to tap into our creativity and build a space that allows us to function the way we want to as a family. Did you know that we can actually take that knowledge that we have about renovations and fixer-upper projects to give us insight into what God wants to do in our homes and our hearts? Today's guest is Paige Ryan. She's an author, designer, and HGTV alum whose mission is to help readers put their whole selves into their homes. Her new book, co-written with Victoria Durstock, is called Revived and Renovated. It combines the wisdom and life experiences of two do-it-yourself professional home renovators, their life and spiritual journeys, and biblical wisdom to encourage readers. We talked about the parallels between reviving and renovating our homes and our souls, plus what it looks like to start where you are and cast a vision for the future. But before we dive into that conversation, I want to talk to you more about creating a home where your family will thrive. Many of us have been cooped up in our homes for the last two years and have realized that they don't really suit the way we'd like to live as a family. And because of it, we've gotten the itch to make some changes. I've talked to quite a few women who like the overall aesthetic of their home, but unfortunately, it doesn't make it easy for them to do the activities they love. One family I know are big readers, but they have no place to read or store their books. Another family I know loves to play games, but the layout of their living space doesn't allow for it. I've even spoken with a friend of mine that loves to entertain outdoors, but doesn't actually do it because it's too much of a hassle. Well, I've got some good news. If you are someone who is looking to make a few changes around your house that will allow you to function better as a family, I can help. Maybe you're thinking about doing some renovating, but feel overwhelmed with all of the design choices that you have to make. Or you're about to buy a new house, but you're not sure what your growing family needs. One-on-one coaching would be a great fit for you. Tapping into my background as a designer, coupled with my experience as a family culture coach, I can help you determine your values, discover your passions, and walk you through creating a space that will reflect all of that. I am passionate about helping you create a home that you will love, one that makes it easy to lean into the things that are important to you, one where you will make lifelong memories and connections with the people you love. To talk more about it, just head over to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash coaching to book a call. Welcome, Paige. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? Oh, dear. Well, I I have to think about what my kids would say. And I I think they would say that we're known for being a little loud. Um, you know, up for fun and games, we're a big sports family, but we're also a big costume family. So I oh. think, I think we're probably known for, we, we like Halloween a lot and we are loud at basketball games. I wish we could say we're known for all our service to the community, but, <laughs> you know, otherwise, but I think lots of, lots of laughs and, um, 
Mm-hmm. So you just get into costumes at Halloween. Are there other times of the year? Do you do themed parties? What do you just, or you just love? Well, I like to joke around that I'm a retired actor, which I, <laughs> I, that's true. Yeah. Um, that I had a television career and I, you know, before that I dabbled in some, just acting and I was always given very strange roles of like a woman in the back in the corner. But anyway, but anyway, <laughs> but I love costumes. I did some theater. I just, it's just fun. You know, Halloween, yeah. like, you know, just one. And my kids have gotten into it. We just really go hard onto it. And then I actually have a couple of characters that I bring out on Instagram every once in a while for fun. I keep oh, on there. Nice. Get too serious. Yeah. A couple of years ago for my birthday, we did a Wild West murder mystery. And I think it's like hit or miss. Like, and I was surprised how many people got into it. I was surprised how many people rented costumes. I was like, are you kidding me? You're amazing. I have have a lot, but I don't have Wild West. That's cool. Well, it was like everyone had a different role. So somebody was a magician. Somebody was like, you know, there was different things like the school, the school teacher. And I mean, they really showed up and it was just so fun just because you were just out of your everyday sort of social setting and you were doing something new and everybody got to be silly and just have fun. And yeah, so there's power in putting on costumes for sure. Well, it is, and especially at a party, you know, I, I, I don't drink anymore. <laughs> we may get to that, but I, you know, to me, a great social lubricant is a way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. A costume, <laughs> or just acting, you know, putting on a costume, it's a, it's a great conversation starter. It gives you some look. Right. So, you know, I'm the designated driver when I got my wig on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. All right. So you're here to talk to us about your new book that you co-authored with Victoria Durstock. Did I say that right? Yes, perfect. It's called Revived and Renovated. So let's talk about, I want to talk first about how that book is structured because it's unique. It's not your typical like read through it. Yes, the structure of the book is um, based on our conversations. And I I met Victoria a few years ago and she was the first one that I'd ever met to sort of merge the idea of our Christian faith with what we do in our house in terms of aesthetics and decorating and design. And she wrote Mm -hmm. a devotional called Heart and Home. I'm like, we got to start talking because to me, my faith journey had been kind of in one silo and my career had been in another Mm -hmm. silo. And Mm -hmm. she was the first one that was like an invitation to see where there are parallels. So we started having these conversations. We started recording them when we're all in lockdown in 2020. And they sort of gave rise to the book. And it really is, I think one of, I I hope the book does a lot of things, but one of them is is to encourage conversation, you know, about Mm -hmm. the deep stuff, you know, as women, it can start that we talk about, you know, what color are you going to paint your living room? But we can also talk about, like, what do you need right now? How are you growing with God right now? Like, what, what what's going on in your soul? I mean, I think we can easily, you know, kind of reach those topics, um, even starting with uh, paint color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you talk a lot about this book. You, you do talk about home and you talk about, there's even some tips and tricks about how to do things in your home that you might want to do. But you already mentioned souls. So like this concept of revive and renovate as it pertains to us, our souls. Tell us more about what that means. Well, first of all, I should say that I have been in recovery for almost 25 years for just my brokenness, addiction, alcoholism, eating disorder, the whole nine yards, several programs, mm-hmm. I have chips from several programs. But anyway, so to me, the idea of being renovated as a person, I mean, hundred percent, I absolutely feel renovated and not by my own hand, but by the hand of God. And so that to me was, was a slam dunk. And so when Victoria said, you know, you're kind of like that old desk that somebody picks up on the side of the road and refinishes it and then you know, flips it and makes, you know, paints it and makes it look gorgeous, changes the hardware. And I thought, wow, that metaphor really fits. And mm-hmm. I happen to really like picking stuff off the side of the road too. <laughs> I happen mm-hmm. to love goodwill and thrifting and 
I love to take something unloved. I actually find the process really therapeutic, but I just really like the idea of seeing, seeing the value in something that somebody else thought, you know, wasn't mm-hmm. so much. So that's really the premise, really, that that work that God does on us is not unlike the work that so many of us, like DIYers, might enjoy doing on a whole house or a piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was, a, that, that to me just, it struck me and is just so much food for thought and so much grace and coming and thing that God would care that much about us to work that hard on us, which he does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as a designer, we ask ourselves the question, what do I have to work with and what can this become? And then we start to create a vision, right? So how can these questions be applied to us as individuals? And let's talk about the parallels between in our home physically and in our home spiritually. Sure, sure. I, I love that question so much because I think <laughs> I think a lot of times what do I have to work with? It really begins and almost ends with the house, right? And sort of, and, and sometimes people, they're saying like, what is the as built? What is the product I'm given? What is the shell? You know, mm-hmm. but really, I, I actually believe it needs to begin with the family and or the, the people that are, the person's name is on the mortgage, right? Like the people who are constructing and making the home together, the family, it needs to start with who they are, who they are, how they live, what makes them tick, their journey. I mm-hmm. firmly believe that this the house one of the purposes of the house is to tell the family's story. And we're telling that to ourselves, you know, if we have, if we do not have children and certainly telling our children, if we have children, we have so much to teach them and tell them. And I think the house can be our aid in that. So I think it's where, what do I have to, where do we begin is really who, who you are. I mean, my first book was one of the first several chapters were like kind of a deep dive into like, let's excavate what makes you tick. What is your journey? It sounds irrelevant to when I want to pick a pink color, but it's really not. I think it's a huge part of it. And I think it's been missing in our culture because our culture is really quick because I just want what that other person has. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, but that other person probably might've done some work about who they really are. That's how they got there. Right. And if we're just applying somebody else's story, mm-hmm. we're going to get tired of it. Uh, yeah. And, and it's just not true. Yeah. So, so many things popped in my head as you were talking when we did a renovation, I thought for sure that I should be painting my bathroom a dark color because I had lots of lights and like, you know, lots of windows. And then I looked at my Pinterest board and I was like, there's not a single like dark color bathroom on here. It's all white. Like why, why am I feeling like I need to do this that I just saw in a magazine because that might be the trend or because I actually have like enough space. Like, why am I trying to chase after something that really has nothing to do with me? That's not going to bring me joy. And so, yeah, I think that's a really important place to start. And, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a phrase that people say when they are looking for a house that they want to renovate, right. They want to look and find and see if it has good bones. Mm -hmm. And I, I just thought of how God sees us and he sees that we have the good bones. Like there's not a question of whether or not that he has something to work with. He created us and he has plenty to work with. And so that that starting point, I think is really important for us to understand for a home, but also for ourselves. It is. And I would say it's it's really hard to deflect what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let's face it, it's hard in the home. It's hard as a Christian. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it is hard work to deflect what it seems like is the quote unquote right thing or the thing or dirty girl, like what's, what's around us. But I think it gets easier. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and I'm, I, I, sometimes I'm, I'm scrolling and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should have done that with this or whatever. So I can fall into it. <clears throat> but I think that's why actually the applying, you know, tips and tricks from internet and magazines has to come second to really getting really clear on who you are and what you like and what you need mm-hmm. as a, as an individual, as a mom and as a family. And I, 
I think I talk to a lot of moms that like what they really need is just a pretty house that makes them feel good. But I think that's that's one thing. That that is beauty is is essential. Yeah. But I think if we unearth, there's always more than that. There's always more than that. We need something that's more nuanced and dimensional and isn't just something that somebody else might find pretty, but something that might support your life with your husband or your special needs child or your mm-hmm. desire to, to paint on weekend, you know, something like that. I just think it, spending a lot of time really unearthing that is is a big part. Yeah. And I think that um, that going through that process and, you know, for me, when I work with people, we identify their values, we identify the practices around those values. It eliminates comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, if we haven't done that work to figure out what we have to work with or what's important to us, we're going to compare ourselves to everybody else. And we are going to chase what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've just really loved the confidence we've had as, as a family to make decisions because we've taken the time to do that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads me to the next question, because things sometimes change. <laughs> and, you know, you and Victoria touched on this in the book about how our homes aren't static. You say that creativity and openness are required to refurbish a home or a piece of furniture. So let's talk about how that relates to our hearts and also to our families. Oh, my gosh. The ki- my kids are constantly, I want to say blindsiding, I, I, you know, but definitely like like showing me that like nothing stays the same. Like, <laughs> you know. When we went, when we moved into this house six or eight years ago, we had a playroom. That's, I mean, now six years later, my kids are eight, 10, 12, and 14. It's, we're not in playroom mode anymore. So we need mm-hmm. something totally different. We need something different from the basement. We need something different from my living room. So when I moved into this living room, I made a very fancy living room. Well, we don't need a very fancy living room. We actually need something out. We actually need it to be something entirely different Yeah. for my teenagers and for for so that they can have a friend over even so that we can all be together so I think that I always say like it's hard to see what's coming in parenting and I but we can try sometimes we know sometimes we don't know what's coming in parenting for our child because it's not standard across the board but I think remaining open and remaining flexible I mean I don't I just don't believe the house is ever done it's never mm-hmm. finished and mm-hmm. we're constantly responding I also can't stand for a, for rooms not to be used <laughs> or not to be used well. Or when I see someone like lying on the ground doing homework, I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't have a place? Like we gotta, you know, where I see somebody like doing Legos, like on the stairs, I'm like, wait a minute, we, you know, I I feel like we, I want to accommodate all the the, the components of their life that take place at home. Also knowing it's not forever. You may not have a Lego table in your living room forever, but you might need one if you have somebody that loves Legos and Legos are great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's this idea of intentionality and using the spaces for how you want to function is just, is really worth its weight in gold for families, right? You know, you say you want your kids to be on the same floor with you. Well, have you created a space that allows that? You say that you want like, you know, for us, we have like a big ottoman in our living room. And at first, when we first got it, I mean, it's gorgeous. I was like, oh, it's a little oversized. It's a little like most people have small coffee tables and we kept it and we love it because we can play all of our board games and there's, we can sit on it when we want to like have more people over, like it, it functions for what we want. And so, you know, I've always like when my kids were little, I was always trying to think long-term, like how can we grow into this space? How can we use it well now? But like knowing that it was going to change, knowing that, you know, it wasn't always going to stay this way. I think that's important too. And, and just to parallel, you know, this idea of the heart. And I was thinking of that layers of an onion. So as we, we allow God to renovate and restore us, there's like layers of restoration and there's layers of 
work that he wants to do in our lives. And it's, it's never quite done <laughs> in our heart as well, you know? No, I mean, if anything, I think more is revealed about how little we do know, but we're okay with it because as I grow with God, I'm okay with knowing less and being able to do less. And, yeah. you know, I'm aware of that, how little I have control and power over. And I think, I mean, for me, it's a perfect example of scripture. I mean, I, I grew up where religion just wasn't a huge part of our, our, our life growing up. It was a little bit, but, you know, not a big part. And certainly there was no scripture or anything like that. And I had scripture come into my life in a couple of different ways. With Victoria, my co-author is actually the first one that her command of scripture was something I just wanted. I was really attracted to it. Mm-hmm. And I never really felt that before. And actually my, the, so the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous is, which is kind of where I first met and knew God. And, and, and in that program, they talk about, you find people who have what you want and then you ask them what you do and then you do it. <laughs> so I saw her command of scripture. It wasn't just that she recited scripture and isn't that nice. It was like, she had scripture at her disposal for all these situations of motherhood, all these situations of family mm. life. The season we were in, which was locked down, and I'm not a homeschooler, but I was overnight and all this stuff. She just had a beautiful command of, of God's word. And so she inspired me to read the Bible. To me, that is like the ultimate example of like openness because I never had any interests, never wasn't mm-hmm. looking for that. And then I found the most life-giving thing I've done in the past year for myself was to try to actually get through the whole Bible through a program. Anyway, so just to say, like, yes, I mean, I think being open and teachable is essential in motherhood, but also in the Christian way. Mm -hmm. We're never done. Yeah. No. And I think that there's a, I guess you could look at it two ways. It could be a little frustrating, kind of like the laundry. It's never done, but it's, it is freeing in the sense that we don't have to sort of hit an arbitrary line or a goal you know, because we're always going to feel like we can't get there. Right. And so this idea that we're free, we don't have to, as long as we're evolving, as long as we're journeying, a work is being done and we can be content with that. I do think it's you know, progress, not perfection is another bumper mm-hmm. sticker or just one day at a time. And actually, I think just to bring up scripture again, as an example, like I'm doing this podcast program where we read the whole Bible in a year. Of course, for me, it's mm-hmm. Bible 15 or 18 months because I, I very slow and kids and all that. But anyway, you couldn't possibly retain the names and stories. You couldn't possibly retain all the wisdom being thrown. Mm-hmm. But still it's worth doing for the 1% I'm grasping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's still worth it. So I feel like that to me is encouraging that even only re- being able to retain this little bit and knowing I'll probably hopefully I'll do it again and again and again. And then but I think it's still that the fruit is still there. But I think that the effort's worth it even for the small fruit. <laughs> yeah. So every chapter of your book is based on a design word. They happen to all start with R. And one of the ones that stands out to me is reclaimed because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're creating a family culture, you're really reclaiming. It involves looking at your past, deciding what you're going to hold on to, what you're going to let go of, and it's envisioning a, a newness. And so I want to just talk more about that word because it's so encouraging. So can you define it for us and just tell us a little bit more about that word? Wow. I, I don't know that I'm, I'm going to get this definition perfectly done, but <laughs> to me, reclaim it. I, I have this instant image of like going up in, into your room and shutting the door, you know, like in front when scripture talks about, like, you have to get in prayer and in quiet. You have to separate yourself from the world a little bit to reclaim because the world mm-hmm. wants to claim and <laughs> wants to tell you what to buy, what to dress, what to eat, everything. And I think it's for us to reclaim is to step out and to step into into really defining for us 
what we want our family life to be and also where we're going. Because I think mm. claim to me is a, is a very active word. It's not just like, this is our home today, but this is our home as, you know, we grow into a legacy. You know, I'm thinking about my grandchildren, you know, when I think about reclaiming what I want my home to be and what I, when I say what I want my home to be, it's not just the building, but it is the building, the culture, how I parent, how my marriage. So I think I just, I guess, a really worried definition. Never make Webster, but you know, reclaiming is just is 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 taking charge, taking hold of something and new. But I think to get there, we have to be quiet and sort of reflect um, what the world says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, what do you think? Let's talk a little bit more. What does reclaiming your home look like? So, I, I talk a lot about you know sometimes to reclaim, you need to kind of shut off the noise of what everybody else is telling you to do because if you're if you are on any of the social media or if you're in a magazine stand, I mean, everybody wants to tell you what to do in your home. They want to tell you the right way to style a bookshelf or design a kitchen or lay out this. And the constant, and by the way, it's all conflicting. So <laughs> I'm like fond of like poking fun at some design media where it says white cabinets are out and horrible and this in all these kind of directions. And I think, you know, the service of design, you know, we want to help people make decisions and all that. But in in in, re- in reality, that can't be we can't be centered there on all that. Ad- so to reclaim is really to, to, to first understand who you are and what you might like and what you're doing in reclaiming a home for your family. Mm-hmm. I think you have more calm then. I think you have more calm and more peace. Like you had mentioned earlier, establishing your values eliminates a lot of options. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even in, you know, even you think about like sort of design history and different traditions, there may be traditions that actually don't drive with your values and that that's worth looking at, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it takes a lot longer than any of us to do this, this is really long, arduous work, and not just because it costs a lot, or because you can't find a contractor, because it just takes a lot of discernment. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think it's worth it, not just to have the pretty house, you know, when you sell, but might make a return, which of course everybody wants that, but the return yeah. is bigger than that, right? It's, we're yeah. talking about the stakes. I think are bigger than that. Oh, for sure. You know, as you were talking about like minimizing those options, when we did our renovation, we tried to. So I don't, we didn't necessarily restore, right? Because restore is one of those words. I'm not sure which one it is, but we, everything that we put back in, we, you know, demolished the kitchen, bumped out a little bit, was reflective of what was already there. So it was fantastic because it wasn't the same fixture. It wasn't the same furnishings, but it was what might've been there before. So even like with the white cabinetry, I know that the big thing is like those concealed hinges, but when our kitchen, the original kitchen to the house, you could see the hinges and I wanted to keep that. And my contractor and my cabinet guy must ask me 10 times, are you sure that's what you want to do? And I'm like, no, that's what was here. I want to, I want it to be new. I want it to function, but I I'm, you know, I want to reclaim what was there and make it better and and renew it. And, you know, it just, it was so much easier because if you walk into any of these stores and you see the gazillion different choices that you have, it is hard to make a decision, but my fixtures look like what was there before. They're just a little shinier and a little updated and the curves are a little bit different, but you can look and you can say, wow, yeah, this was part of the original design. And so that was, that was something that was huge. And the decision process was just eliminating all of the options that didn't match what we wanted and the vision that we saw for the house. That gives to me in, in my another dimension of reclaiming because I mean a lot of the and a lot of my client work I come in because there's already been acrimony between you know contractors and architects and kitchen designers and all kinds of mm-hmm. people and I'm, I fancy myself a little bit of a peacemaker. 
diplomat. But a part of it is that we, you know, sometimes the homeowner has kind of abdicated their opinion, their desires, almost everything mm-hmm. to what the other people in the room have said. Now, clearly you're hiring an expert for their expertise and you want to, there's many times there's, there needs to be trust and we're of course trusting professionals, but they're also, you have to be, I think, clear and firm on what you want and also sort of what your goals are. And when, mm-hmm. in that case, when something conflicts, you're clear, you don't have to say, but the contractor says, you know, I, so many times a day, the contractor says, I can't, I can't do that. The contractor says, I have to have three. The contractor says, I have, you know, and sometimes the contractor's right. And you know what? We need to do this by code or, you know what? That's mm-hmm. just a good idea. The contractor has a great eye. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think it's, you know, that's, that's not necessarily in line with what the family wants and what they need. And, and sometimes the contractor's perspective is just not in related to their reality at all. They're too mm-hmm. But I think that's reclaiming it a little bit is not real is realizing even if you've never done a renovation, even if this is your first house, this is your house. This yeah. is your house and you know yourself and the way that you live better than anybody else. And so you're mm-hmm. the expert there. And I think that's important for people to remember. And you're the expert mm-hmm. of your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and talking to us about your new book. I'm excited wow. for our listeners to check it out. You're welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. You can find Paige at pageryan.com. She's also on Instagram as Paige Ryan. I'll link to all of this, plus where you can find her book in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave a review? Besides sharing this episode with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. 